Hello, and welcome to the Spiraling Higher podcast hosted by me, Sam, Mindset and Manifestation Coach. And me, Gina, your biz and mindset coach. We're here to support you on your spiritual journey by bringing you intimate and raw conversations about healing, manifestation, consciousness, and spirituality. We hope this podcast makes you feel less alone as you become aware of your patterns and limiting beliefs to uplevel your life, manifest like a boss, and together, spiral higher. Welcome back to the Spiraling Higher podcast. I am your co-host, Gina. I'm here with Sam, and we have an incredible guest, Allison Charles Story, and we cannot wait to jump into everything with her. Sam, do you want to introduce her? I am so freaking excited, you guys. So I met Allison back in August. She led us on a shamanic journey at this event that I went to, and I don't think I've come back since. (laughs) I don't know where my soul went. I'm definitely going to be asking her, but if you are here right now listening, you are in for such an incredible treat. Allison Charles is an internationally renowned shaman, author, and spiritual teacher, and she went from being a national champion athlete, number one rated radio host, daytime television talk show host, moving from that hustle grind culture, and finally aligned with her calling as a shaman and a mystic after her spiritual awakening. And since Mm. then, her ability to share ancient sacred wisdom and divine energy has been a powerful catalyst for change, which has ignited a global phenomenon. Oprah and Forbes are calling her work a full-fledged guide into your psyche, which I am so excited to explore. Marie Claire Magazine has selected her as a cover story, and her work is featured as the next best thing. And so we are so excited to welcome Allison onto the podcast. Welcome to Spiraling Higher. Thank you, ladies. Such an honor to finally be here and to reconnect. I obviously, as you shared, Sam was able to chat with you at the event and then at dinner. And Gina, I know you were joining us remotely, so it's nice to see your face today. Yes, I'm so excited. I mean, Sam has not stopped talking about you since that day. And so we have just been counting down the days to meet you and talk to you. I really haven't stopped talking about you, Allison, because there's something so palpable about the energy of a person who really knows who they are. And mm. it's such a beautiful journey to go on finding who you are. And I would love to talk a little bit about yours because I remember when we were chatting at dinner back in August about how it had been 10 years since you were in New York City. And I remember sharing with you that that was a parallel journey with mine. I had been not, I had not returned to New York City either since my previous career 10 years ago. And so mm. much has happened. So much has happened. You were, I remember, a TV host and living a life that, for the most part, didn't feel good. And so if you don't mind sharing with me and Gina and our listeners, how did you move from the not knowingness of your true self into who you are today and your true calling? Mm. Ah, yes. Yeah, this is, I can feel there's such an intriguing... um, energy and texture in this time together. I think it's partially because um, I took a recent little break from doing interviews just to kind of pause and breathe. And there's just been so many massive evolutionary shifts happening inside of me. So um, it's feeling intriguing to feel into these questions that, you know, I've, I've definitely gotten, but I'm curious when I dip into this space to see what wants to come through today, uh, what reveals. Mm-hmm. I just feel like there's going to be a different kind of ride that we're on together. So let me see. 
Uh, what what wants to come through to to share with everyone? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I'll start in a place and then we'll just kind of take a little shamanic journey of sorts. But Amazing. I recently went to uh, Indiana where I'm, I grew up in a very small town in Indiana. And I went back there just a couple of weeks ago to see some family. And it was a really powerful moment for me. And I'll try to just like whittle it down to cliff notes so we can cover as much ground as possible. But long story short, on this trip back, uh, even though I've made many trips back to Indiana to visit family, and I often, each trip, try to go through boxes in my mom's basement, you know, just to clear and purge mm. and open up more space. Uh, and this time I did that. However, the difference was for the very first time in my life, I knew, I finally had the clarity that it was time to literally trash all of my thousands, like, and I'm not exaggerating when I say thousands of trophies and medals from my time mm. being a distance runner. And I know, you know, when you hear that, it might sound like whatever, no big deal, just kind of a surface level story. But for me, it was actually super, super profound on a very, very deep uh, cellular level because my athletic career got started when I was only two and a half years old. And, wow. you know, my memories don't even track back that far, you know? And right. so to think that this type of identity of being this athlete got ingrained before I can even recollect my life, um, you know, it, it was a very deep and profound journey for me having my dad as my coach. And it was a very long uh, chapter of my life and also a very intense, pressurized, elite uh, chapter. So yeah. from two and a half all the way through um, getting a scholarship to be an athlete at the University of Alabama, you know, I what I did was run and how what I was known for was being that runner girl, you know, and... <laughs> And I did get to the highest levels. I did win, as you mentioned in the bio, a couple of national championships. Uh, but, you know, it just, that that two and a half through college years, boy, you know, such a ride in terms of awakenings and my body starting to break down towards the end of my college mm -hmm. career and starting to question for the first time, well, wait a second, if this athlete, I archetype or identity is dying off, you know, who am I really? So that's when some yeah. of the more mild pondering started to come in. Um, and so, yeah, it was a very, very freeing, deep experience for me. Um, I feel like just little percolations of emotions, even as I share about it to, you know, take the time to pull out these boxes that held all of these experiences and all of these, um, whether unconscious or conscious attachments to mm. worth, value, identity, mm. success, um, and to take box one by one and just dump them into these big black trash bags and haul them up to the curb to be taken to the dump in the morning. Um, it was, uh, it really cleared a lot of needed space. And it also, I think where I'll kind of wrap this bit of the journey up is it brought me even more fully into alignment with divine truths and helped to 
release with honor a lot of illusions um, and a lot of attachments of the past, you know, because mm. what I've had to learn, especially with the athlete thing being so strong for so long is my beingness and the value and worthiness in my beingness. And that's really the muscle and energetics that I've been working very specifically the last couple of years and trusting that my gifts, my spiritual gifts and my abilities as a shaman and also my beauty as a human is just as powerful and just as valuable when I'm laying in the hammock in the backyard as mm -hmm. when I'm facilitating a journey for, you know, people in New York city or doing whatever it is outward. So, mm -hmm. um, that's been a big, big part of the overall ride. And then I guess just to kind of weave into the radio and TV career a bit, um, I knew I was getting more closer to my, my calling and truth when I started to get into media Mm -hmm. you know, sitting in those studios and it just felt like home and it was very natural for me. Uh, but it was in the, the time where I was hosting that daytime television talk show that I had my divine intervention and spiritual awakening. And so, uh, and I'm happy to share, you know, details around that. Um, it involved an ex fiance and finally through the assistance of my spiritual guides, uh, coming in, I was able to get plucked out of mm. a very long cycle of insanity and suffering, um, and, you know, abuse and trauma at times. And so that, that awakening obviously changed the course of my life and the course of my career. Uh, and so I'll take a breath now and let you guys steer this, uh, this ship, this pirate ship we're on, but those are just <laughs> some of the glimmerings that wanted to be expressed. Hey guys, it's Sam, and I'm quickly interrupting this amazing episode to give some love to our partner, Organifi, who has created the most magical, delicious formula that has been helping me on my hormone rebalancing journey. I was actually recently diagnosed with PMDD, and it's brought me so much clarity around the absolutely insane PMS symptoms I experience for almost two weeks every single month. If you are not familiar, then consider yourself lucky. But if you are a menstruating woman like me, you likely still experience anxiety, mood swings, bloating, and irritation for several days each month. And so because of my diagnosis, I've been building up my toolbox to reduce my discomfort and make that time of the month a little bit more comfortable. And in that toolbox is my new all-time favorite beverage using Organifi's Harmony Formula, which was specifically designed to support women's health with herbs and adaptogens like maca, chastree berry, stinging nettle, turmeric, and ginger. I make it with my favorite oat milk, and it tastes like the best hot chocolate of my life, and it satisfies my deepest craving minus all the sugar with a super smooth finish. So you can try this formula or any of their amazing selections, such as their green juice at OrganifiShop.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I-S-H-O-P.com for 20% off using the code SAM, S-A-M. Whether you're looking to balance your hormones like me or looking for more energy or antioxidants, Organifi has an option for you. So head on over to OrganifiShop.com. And once again, you can use the code SAM for 20% off. I love how you described even just like the um, going through all the boxes and the garbage bags. So I feel like a lot of times when we're on a spiritual journey, that is what we're doing internally, right? Taking out all the trash bags of all of these old stories and old narratives and old thoughts of who we're supposed to be. So as you were explaining that, I was like envisioning myself in my own heart, just filling up those trash bags and br bringing them out because I feel like Sam and I have done a lot of purging this year. 
Mm. Oh, yeah. And you know what, Allison, before we get into the spiritual awakening, which I know I want to dive into, I just want to also reflect back to you. I I love how you said those little percolations of emotions as you were sharing because, you know, so much of my journey and I think so many people listening can resonate with what you've experienced, which is that, you know, from a very young age, you were being pushed to define your sense of self through what you were doing. And so you became really, Mm. really good at it because if this is who I am, then I have to be the best. And so hearing you talk about this identification as the runner girl, it reminds me so much of me as a ballet dancer. Um, And I moved to New York Mm -hmm. to dance professionally. And because all of my self-worth was hinging upon this, any sort of like detection that I wasn't doing great or that I wasn't being my best would just completely shatter my sense of being. And Mm -hmm. when you mentioned um, how deeply full you feel as a human when you're sitting in the in the backyard or on the patio versus like doing a shamanic journey. I think that's so difficult for people to tap into because we have been so deeply hypnotized, tranced, conditioned to think that we're only okay when we're doing, when we're producing, when we're really trying to almost like become a somebody. And I have Mm -hmm. found that the most truly centered, happy, which I believe is success, right? These people like yourself, they're people who have completely divorced themselves from needing to prove anything. Oh, and- amen. I feel compelled to get the rattle out. <laughs> yes. Do a little rattling to uh, say amen to to that. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I've I've really been uh, a very willing and devoted and exploratory human and soul this lifetime, but I have to say I am for sure in some of, if not my bravest work so far in terms of allowing all of that deconstruction and tapping into, um, yeah, just that innate knowingness. And I'm so, you know, grateful that it's felt, you know, that at the top of the the show, you emphasized, um, the power that others can tap into when you're in the presence of someone who just on a very deep and divine level knows who they are. And I do feel that that is a is a good description of who I am and who I have arrived to. And I certainly was not always that way, but I put in, definitely put in the work and devotion to get here. And, you know, the last little thing I'll say about it that was uh, wanting to to pop in here is it's like I'm that I do feel really proud of myself for being able to step into Mm. I I couldn't agree more. And um, there's something interesting that I want to, that you said in there that I want to just expound upon a bit more. But it seems that that personal power that you talked about, that like getting into alignment and being able to create, I find that that energy only comes through in the most potent way when what we are trying to do or create from that energy is not to prove ourselves. And it's the funniest yes. thing because I find that everyone is trying to prove themselves, but they're not able to access their personal power through it. Um, And I know that Mm -hmm. you've obviously written a book and you've done your Power Animals deck, and I'm currently in the process of writing my book. And I was going through such a huge block for the past several months. Like I've kind of been avoiding talking to my agents. Like I'm just kind of in the void. And I went into nature to try and figure out like what is going on. And the message I got was, you're still trying to prove yourself through the book. So no, mm-hmm. <laughs> basically uh, it was like, we, we can't, we can't give you the information because you're still doing it for your ego. And uh, I was like, 
Oh, okay. That's fine. (laughs) Can we just take a moment though? I mean, what you just expressed, it's like, I want to give it the proper pause and acknowledgement because it's in these seemingly small, um, 10 minute walks in nature or seemingly small five minute pauses to check in with spirit, to check in with your own heart and soul that truly is by far and away the most magnificent, miraculous personal work that we can do and also contribution to the entire world. It's those types of integrity checks and Mm self-responsibility moments that change the entire course of your life and allow your offerings to be of a different texture, to be more of heart than mind Mm -hmm. or ego. And, you know, people can feel that. And me as a seer, what you just described is something that I'm very, very much adept and quite masterful at observing in others. I have a very Mm. specific skill of seeing the energetics from which someone is stepping in life, the energetics from which someone is creating. I can see if there's distortion. I can see if they're moving from a place of insecurity or fear, or I can see if they're truly moving from a place of just living in devotion, of truly living from great spirit, great mother earth, and my own soul show me the way, and just fully being at the mercy of being of service to the greater good. And those Mm. are very different pathways. And so thank you on behalf of all living beings and all time and space for taking (laughs) that walk and connecting to nature and your own soul, because your book that will forever live on and be part of your legacy is going to be a completely different book now. Oh, 100%. I just... And thank you so much for offering space to that because I don't think people realize what a significant distinction that is, right? I think, I I tell my clients a lot, you can do anything. That doesn't matter though. It's the energy behind which you're doing it from, right? And so before Mm -hmm. I was thinking, I want to write this book, right? And I think the genuine soul desire was, of course, to connect with the collective and help them rise in consciousness. That was the genuine desire, but then my ego got attached to it. And that's, that's how I knew I was feeling this sense of like not enoughness, it's insecure, and like, is it going to be good? And what's interesting is you don't do that when it's not for your ego anymore. (laughs) You're just so authentically creating in the moment. And what even what you think of it ceases to matter. And that's Mm -hmm. how I believe we've been able to create the most potent work. And so I'm sure for you to channel your works, which I have in my home, the Power Animals deck, you weren't doing that for the small Allison, right? Mm. The, The Allison that needs to be proven or worthy. You know, Allison just is worthy and she's just connected to this higher energy and she wants to create and fulfill and inspire. And that's why you can feel it when you interact with these creations. Mm -hmm. Thank you. 
Yeah. And I wanted to just kind of piggyback off of that comment of being agendaless, because I think a lot of people lean on these spiritual practices when they are really struggling. And I find that Sam and I have often been like, okay, we're going to meditate. We're going to fix this. And so then even in meditation or breath work or yoga or anything that we're trying to do to really heal, a lot of times the agenda becomes so I can fix this and get on the other side of this and be better because right now is not good. Mm -hmm. And I find that the context and the intention behind doing these practices is so important because sometimes I've gone on a nature walk being like, all right, trees, tell me what what to do, you know, and I go in there wanting a download or wanting a mm-hmm. specific message. And I find that I always connect the best when I don't have an agenda and I just go in there to just receive. Yeah. Yeah. What came in as you were sharing that is uh, my favorite phrase, and it's only a two word phrase, but it's in relation. And I feel that mm. uh, learning how to be in relation to all that is, to all that you're experiencing is potentially the entire reason that we are here and potentially the entire point of us incarnating is to, yeah, not try to force or not be in a state of resistance or not continuously um, trying to change the discomfort that we're sitting in. It's learning Mm. how to healthily connect with, how to healthily communicate with, and how to healthily be in relation to Mm. whatever is showing up. And from there, it will shift and move. And the other little thing, which you know, I'm not trying to go down a rabbit hole with it, but it it came in with your share as well. Was, you know, recently I I really needed some some really important clarity in my own life that dealt with some important relationships in my life, and I knew I wasn't clear yet, and so I I knew I needed space, and in that space, um, I yes, I sat in prayer and I spoke my surrender statement, you know, to great spirit, my own soul and divinity and great mother earth, and just offered up the scenario to them. Um, and then I waited and still nothing arrived. And so then, you know, maybe the next day I, I went out with my dog cookie and I laid on our driveway with the sun and spoke to the grandfather tree in the front yard to see if the whispers of the wind and the sun and the tree had any information And they did give me like some light layers, but like no actual concrete information. So I continued to still wait. Uh, Maybe the next day I felt genuine, uh, for the most part, I like to deal with things like through my own internal wisdom. But the next day I Mm -hmm. felt like speaking it out with my husband and just seeing if, if he had an insight that I was missing and, you know, not too much came in. So I still, I chose to wait. And, you know, it's, it's like, you really have to get into this total state of flow and surrender and trust that when the information is, is meant to arrive and show up, it will. Um, and yeah, I bought myself some time. I expressed to this person that, um, you know, I was willing to have a conversation in a couple of days when the weekend came and that I was, I felt very confident that we would be able to arrive to a solution that felt very good for both of us, you know? And, and so I get, got myself a couple of more days by expressing that. And sure enough, mm. um, you know, the night before I was supposed to make that phone call, I just like, 
boom, you know, just got really centered in exactly what needed to be said, the place from which, uh, you know, the heart space it needed to be spoken from and, and it all worked out. But even with small tasks like that, where you're just trying to have a conversation with a family member, it can take mm -hmm. you on a whole, like for real shamanic journey. <laughs> Oh, 100%. Um, but I love how you shared that because time and time again, you kept asking for the answers and it wasn't coming. And I feel like a lot of times what happens in that season is people feel like it means something about them, like they're doing something wrong. Or now my manifestation is going to get even farther because obviously it's, I'm not aligned. And I don't know, we start to create these stories around even that. And something that we've been really trying to root into is if you don't know the answer right now, then it just means you're not supposed to know yet. You know, the answer is just not here, not because we're wrong, not because we're not connected or not because of anything that we're doing incorrectly, but simply because we're just not meant to know yet. So I just love how you really rooted into trust the entire time and the answer arrived right when it needed to. Yeah. And I think too, yeah, like- I know how- with Sorry, Allison. No, go ahead. I was just going to say that um, also too with receiving answers, there's almost like this attachment that like knowing the answer is going to be better than not knowing. And this kind of takes me back <laughs> totally. to, this takes me back to what you were saying earlier, Allison, about how like I feel just as much peace and wholeness and worthiness sitting and doing nothing on the patio as I do when I'm creating, you know, really purposeful, meaningful work. And I think we, we, we don't know, we kind of create a false hierarchy between those things and different moments in our life. And we don't see the mm. divinity in every moment. And so something I've been reminding myself mm. and Gina, as we've been honestly going through quite a few struggles is that literally everything is divine. Like nothing is actually better or worse. And so whatever I'm believing is over there, the feeling, the thought, the insight, it's actually not better than here. And that's been a very difficult mm -hmm. idea for me to break up with. And I think is really difficult for a lot of people because I'm sure for you, Allison, people who come to you, they're in suffering and they're saying, like, how do I get past this and get to like a better moment? And so to someone mm -hmm. who is suffering, how would you ask them to really like sit and surrender and, to, and with patience, really, which is what I'm believing is the crux of any spiritual sort of shamanic led life is really to be in trust and surrender and peace and patience. But how do we do that when we, when we are suffering so much? Yeah. Yeah. It's a beautiful question. Um, yeah, I mean, the word presence definitely comes in and um, I'll try to hone in on a particular current example um, that I'm traversing it's, you know, there's so much alchemy and so many treasures in the discomfort, um, you know, in whatever way that anguish or suffering or discomfort is showing, you know, I referenced my awakening and intervention came from a previous relationship that had a lot of turmoil and it went on for 16 and a half years, you know, and, and so I, I always like to be honest about that and share that because, you know, I was someone on paper who you wouldn't think would have a tendency of getting quote unquote stuck in a situation like that, you know, for, for that long being, you know, kind of thrown around in those cycles of insanity and struggling to, to pluck myself up out of that. But then it can also show up in, in physical discomfort. You know, our bodies are so intelligent. I know for me, uh, during that time when, every aspect of myself was trying to get me out of that relationship. My body intelligence was communicating, you know, through panic disorder and autoimmune disorders and all of these things, um, 
trying to get my attention. And I, w- I guess I would recommend, of course, everybody's situation is different, but it's it's just having the courage to get quiet and get present because I think when suffering and discomfort is coming up, it's a, most people's human default to want to distract away from what you're experiencing. And actually the alchemy happens and and the treasures reveal with more grace and efficiency when we can trust ourselves enough to get present with the anguish, to get present with the pain, to get present with the suffering and really bring it from wherever it's been kind of lurking, whether it's your neck or, uh, you know, a certain behavior and bring it right to the front of you and and really face it. And the second you do that, 95% of the fear eviscerates instantaneously. And then you start, when you start to ask, you know, whatever aspect of the suffering that you're experiencing, when you start to ask it questions, like, what are you here showing me? What do you have to teach me? What would you like for me to know? Why are you being so persistent when you give space for answers to reveal in those questions? All of a sudden, you know, there's so much unconditional love of self that comes up. There's reverence for yourself that comes up. There's compassion uh, for yourself and others that starts to reveal. And it just starts to build this in- totally separate web of divinity and understanding that if you are distracting yourself on social media or through working out or whatever whatever your tendency is and you're not giving yourself time to create that alchemy that's when the suffering persists and you know situations mm-hmm. like mine where a divine intervention was needed it certainly doesn't have to be the case had i listened to my body had i listened to my soul had i listened to different aspects of myself for 16 and a half years it would not have required that intervention mm-hmm. yeah it, it seems like our body, like you said, they're so intelligent and our soul, they're kind of intertwined, right? They, they, it knows things. I think that's the difference between the mind and the soul, right? It's thinking versus knowing. And I feel that you speak with so much innate mm-hmm. knowing, but I wonder why. And I, I do think it's because of fear, obviously, that we, we can't trust the knowing, right? There, there are things that I think everyone knows deep down. And I think about that, um, I think it was Henry David Thoreau who talked about people living lives of quiet desperation. And I think it's because they know on some deep level what they're supposed to do, mm. right? Like we get these gut feelings or we have what I call secret desires, like what I would do if like I could do anything and no one could know or something like that. And that's actually our true mm. soul that's speaking to us. And I've realized that desire and that truth never goes away. Um, and that most of my suffering has been because I've chosen to ignore that, either consciously or unconsciously. And because my mind wants to really just predict everything. Like my mind is just yeah. a scared little like program that's like, we got we to gotta know what's happening next. And to sit here patiently and surrender, like that's, that's just too scary. And so I've had to prove to myself Mm -hmm. literally over and over again, because it's so hard in those moments, but I'm like, no, we've, we've done this before. Like we have evidence now. And so maybe for some people, it is about building that Mm -hmm. evidence with themselves because um, if they've never sat with that discomfort and waited for it to pass and waited for that insight to come through, then how can they trust that it's going to lead to something higher? 
Yeah. Yeah. The, the building of trust within yourself to be able to hold the full spectrum of earthly emotions mm -hmm. is, is a huge key to yeah. the entire, entire scope of life. You know, when you are willing, um, to let yourself turn into a, a gooey blob on the floor that's slobbering and just, you know, going through something really deep yet, also allowing yourself to be witness to what a beautiful human moment you're having um, and being able to, to hold it all. Uh, yeah, that's, that's where the fear dissolves, the resistance dissolves, and you get into uh, you know, in relation to, to that whole web of life. And, and the last little thing, you know, surrender for me was, was the biggest key after I had my, my awakening moment and that veil lifted. And I finally, thankfully got snapped out of all the denial that I had so staunchly been living in up until that moment, you know, I finally realized, uh, that I needed to get out of my own way. And, and so, yeah, speaking to, like I said before, great spirit, my own soul and great mother earth and proclaiming to them, truly, I'm willing to get out of my own way. And then from that proclamation, truly being living in devotion to heeding the guidance that came in. I mean, I, I, I've, I could talk for days on end of mystical and miraculous experiences that I've been ushered into, um, since truly surrendering that my mind, if I was still continuing to try to live from my mind and what my mind or ego thinks is best for me or what's, what should be next for me, you know, I would never have been able to tap into, uh, being able to hold both the unseen realms and the seen realms and the magic, uh, that's in both. Mm, oh my God. I actually just started getting really emotional as you shared that because, um, I've recently gone through some pretty, pretty heavy life experiences. And throughout this journey, um, I'm just so grateful to be where I'm at because I feel like I was really able to see both sides. So recently, my mother-in-law actually passed away and it was something so tragic that our mind wants to instantly make it mean like it's bad. Mm -hmm. Like it's bad. This is bad. We're losing her. You know, this is such a heartbreaking experience. But at the same time, all I could see was so much beauty. I saw so much love, you know, all this outpouring of love to her, us being able to talk to her about the impact she's made on our life, really being able to see it from spirit's eyes, but at the same time experiencing the human emotion of the physical loss. And so it, I kept telling Sam, I feel like I'm two different people because I'm happy because she's going home and she's, you know now free of all of the pain that she was experiencing. But the human side of me was so heartbroken because of the physical loss, but I was equally so much in so much joy and peace. And so it was a very surreal experience. And I feel like you explained that what I was going through very beautifully there. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. In the last few years, I definitely uh, met up with the portal and energetics of grief more than ever before in my life. And to second what you just shared, once those experiences uh, continued kind of one after another to be ushered into my life and each a different uh, opportunity to look into, to peer into, and to sometimes be at one with that portal of grief, it really revealed to me such unexpected beauty. And yes. of course, there's 
textures and essences within the grief medicine and energetics that you can't articulate human words for and, and you can't, you know, you can't put words to, but beauty uh, and richness were two dominant mm. ones, you know, when you can really get in there and, um, you know, even, even in confronting situations that are maybe unexpected, like let's say you're in a relationship dynamic and all of a sudden uh, someone is um, faced with a health or an ailment that um, came on unexpectedly, even if that experience begins to bring up for you fearful thoughts that you would not have encountered had that person been well and, and been fine, mm -hmm. you know, letting, you know, it's, it's about letting the, the thought surface and not going down the train track and, and getting yourself running away with it. But if you can just really observe like, oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, these ponderings of like, would suicide be involved or would death be involved or, um, you know, where might this level of rage go to, you know, in these healthy ponderings of not suppressing those fear-based thoughts and letting them come forward while they can feel confronting, if you can sit with them healthily and like I said, not run down the train track with them, they can just provide just so much reframing and so many different perspectives, there can be something really beautiful and light-filled even when you're sitting with confronting thoughts that have darkness in them. 100%. I think that um, I actually have an IFS therapist, so someone who practices internal family systems. And internal family systems, we talk about these parts, right? Um, different parts of us and the idea that we're not a mono mind, we're, we're multifaceted, right? And there are different parts of us that come out and are creative and loving and courageous, but there are parts that are like anxious and scared and afraid. And you know, I originally went to therapy because I was like, how do I get rid of these? Like, I don't, I don't want these anymore. Like, these are ruining my life. These are making my life difficult to live. I'm not able to, like, think clearly. And this is, you know, I really felt like they were in the way. And so I'm like, just teach me how to get rid of them. And I remember feeling so hopeless in one of the first <laughs> sessions because she says, we're not going to do that. Actually, that's impossible. And I was like, what? It's impossible to get rid of this? And what I've been learning through working with her is that we're really – our job is to just understand them. And I find that when I take this, like you said, you've said the two words over and over in relation. So I've changed my relationship or I'm, or I'm beginning to change my relationship with these parts, with those darker thoughts and feelings, those combinations that take place in my mind and not trying to like, oh my gosh, I get away from this. This is terrible. But just understand like what is your concern? Like, what is the fear and where did you come from? And even in IFS, we ask like, how old are you? And some weird things have come up. The, the things and the feelings inside of me are like 10 years old, nine years old. And they're very, very concerned that, you know, I'm not going to be okay. And I have to remind them like, we're, we're good. Like, we're actually okay. Mm -hmm. And when I meet yeah. myself with understanding, and I know that you've said a lot in your content about facing yourself, right? It's like this concept that we need mm. to, we need to look at us. These parts that are mm -hmm. coming up are us too. They're not like entities that don't belong here. Like it's all us. And when we look at ourselves with just that observatory, like you said, just 
love and compassion, we can integrate that. And I think that a lot of people, as obviously, as you know, Allison, they come to spirituality looking for the light. And I think that's amazing. Yeah. I think a lot of people need more light in their life and whatever suffering they've been through, there's a tool or a practice or an insight that is going to meet them in spirituality. But spiritual, my, my spiritual journey has been like, you don't get to exclude all of the darkness. It's it's an integration, you know, and I keep coming back to the yin and yang symbol. I'm like, that's so wise. It's like the whole thing is black and white. It's it's not mm-hmm. whole without the other. And so I don't know if that's something that you've been, obviously, I'm sure you have, integrating on your journey where it's it's all the parts of me. It's not just mm-hmm. these and those. It's everything. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, healthy integration of the whole has really been there right right out of the gate you know when that veil lifted and uh, my egoic shell got obliterated on that intervention awakening day and uh <laughs> you know because that veil it had really been tightly pulled down over my third eye and like the vision i got you know is when you yank on the the cord of a blind and the blind just like you know flips up really fast and then i was just left with all of this truth of all of, of myself and yes. scary, mm. dark, ugly truths and truths of, yeah. you know, involving my ex and God bless him and his path, but he was and potentially still is dealing with a lot of addictions and the types of addictions he was suffering with to me felt very, very, very scary and very dark. And it took me a long time, you know, uh, confronting and really looking at that sex addiction piece that he suffered with, yet I wasn't obviously involved with for 16 and a half years and taking a look at, you know, how was it possible, what was going on within me, you know, that was allowing Mm. my, I was allowing my body to be, you know, used and violated and dishonored for, you know, pretty much daily for, you know, all of those years to really go into that cave of sex addiction, you know, in the beginning it would reveal and I knew it was there and I knew there was no going around this. I needed to really fully, fully face transmute. But, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, I, I think in giving ourselves some grace and timing as well, because when it would first come in, I would look into that cave and and and, and feel a, a blast of the energetics and be like, okay, that's all I can muster today. You know, all of this mm. is so raw and new, and I'm a totally different person. Everything that I knew to be true got turned upside down, and now I also have to incorporate, you know, facing all of this darkness. That's what I can handle today. Was that little burst of like, these are the energies that are held in there, and so you know, you but you keep being willing and you keep inviting it forward. And then the next time when you're willing to go in there, you can maybe, you know, head in there and yeah, like get visions of what that person is experiencing when they're in the throes of sex addiction. And then all of a sudden that, um, that key unlocks something where you have a greater understanding. And so, Mm. yes, you know, facing and meeting myself and, and all parts of my journey has been a mainstay. And, You know, I think in order to, I really feel like, and I know this is a bit of a morbid and and dark, but that's the kind of topic we're on, dark thing to say. And I want to live a very long life. And I, I want to be with my beautiful husband for as many years as I can this lifetime. And I want us to start a family. So I have a lot of visions and goals. 
And at the same time, I have lived such a rich, full, all-encompassing life that, um, you know, if for whatever reason it was, you know, supposed to be my my last day soon, it's like I feel like I could really transition with a lot of peace and ease because of my willingness to face and, and meet all aspects of myself and to be in this earth ride to such a grand capacity. I just gave wow. me so many chills because Oof, I truly think <laughs> like, body. yeah, I think that the definition of like true, like embodied success, happiness, fulfillment is like, I could die happy right now. And mm -hmm. I don't think that the majority of people in the world can say that because they're still in lack and attachment. And so in order to address that, I really want to go back to this piece that you mentioned about the veil, which I think will be tied to your spiritual awakening, because I loved that image you gave us of how it just felt like the blinds had just come up and all of a sudden you were seeing everything clearly. I feel like I've had that experience so many times in my life now. For me, it wasn't just like a one and done moment where I just saw everything clearly and was like, I'm awake. I find that the veil kind of becomes shrouded over myself over and over again and I have to bring myself back and that's my journey. But this veil, when you have it on, it's like you can only see yourself and the world and the experiences that are happening through the lens of like fear. And so nothing mm -hmm. actually really looks as it seems. It kind of reminds me of that message on the mirror where it's like, oh, like objects mm -hmm. might appear closer or something like that, right? Because as soon as that veil is lifted, which I think I would call the veil, like just the mental programming, the illusions of the mind, when that's gone, you're just in the divine truth of the present moment and everything is fine. And all of the opportunities and possibilities just open up to you again. And so I'm curious to kind of know, how did you become aware of the veil and then eventually lift it? Yeah. You know, there, there were some lighter ass or I maybe lighter isn't the right way of describing. There were the deeper aspects of myself along the way that had some level of awareness that I wasn't living a fully soul aligned life and not flourishing in that way. Um, you know, but like a lot of us, there was experiences in my childhood where, you know, at, at young ages, I think there are many humans where we incarnate with this vast array of multifacetedness and multidimensionality and varying spiritual gifts and abilities. And then for whatever reason or another, if being in full presence or exercising that multidimensionality or those gifts doesn't feel safe, especially as young children, we feel like we kind of have no choice but to like, you know, stuff that uh, ability down or shove that gift to the side in order to preserve a relationship with a primary caregiver or in order yeah. to have friends, you know, because if you keep everything fully alive and, and awakened, um, you know, especially when you're young, then maybe you're the, the weird witch kid that everybody like <sighs> makes fun of and, and runs away from on the playground. Totally. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, there were, you know, there was that deep aspect of me that always knew I had these gifts. 
Um, but I did choose at a very young age to shut down my seership ability in order to maintain a more full relationship with my dad. And then that just shifted the older I got. And when my dad wasn't my coach anymore, and I, you know, got to be more of an adult and got in that previous relationship, then all of those patterns just transferred over Mm -hmm. and started to express in their own unique form with my ex. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I, there was codependency issues in that relationship and very low self-worth for myself at the time. And I could tell that he had extreme discomfort and unease around spirituality. So at times Mm -hmm. I would take psychic courses. I would, you know, um, even when I was a radio host at the hip hop station, this is long before my awakening, I was doing dream analysis for the listeners who would call in. I was the one, yes, we would have, you know, rappers and music artists and, you know, different celebs who would come in the studio, but I was also telling my co-host all the time, you know, we need to have this psychic, we need to have this mystic. Um, and so I was weaving those things in. So, you know, I'm just trying to give examples how there was part of me that was Mm -hmm. like, keep this alive, keep this alive. And then these other dynamics that I wasn't fully ready to face, like the codependency and things in order to preserve that relationship with my ex that took at that time, that was the primary importance. And that overrode, I was like, oh, okay, if, if if I want to be in this relationship, I have to stop doing this psychic course. And so I would make those choices over and over. So once the intervention uh, came in, and that was the day for the first time I heard spirit speak to me in my right ear, the clairaudient gift turned on, mm. uh, and I you know, received some instructions, which led me to facing the truth of the relationship in a very graphic proof type of way. And, 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 and it was designed that way, right? It was like, there's no denying now, like you have, you know, now confronted what has been going on all of these years. Um, and that, that just was the precise medicine that I needed to just shatter that egoic shell and finally be willing, uh, to live in devotion to be in alignment with the calls and directives of spirit and also just live in devotion to truth. You know, it's just like, Mm. I know I can handle anything that comes my way, um, with, you know, usually with quite a bit of, of grace. Uh, but I, I just want truth now, you know, I know what denial and illusion feels like, and it is just a horrible existence. And so I would rather take the harshest, scariest truth over diluting myself a hundred percent of the time. Mm. (laughs) Right. But what's so funny about the spiritual journey is that, you know, the truth is actually not like dark and scary at all. I feel like the truth mm-hmm. is like, it reminds me of that Terrence McKenna quote where he talks about, you know, courage is like nature loves courage and how you fall, but you just fall into like a bed of feathers. Like there's actually nothing scary there. Mm. And um, I just wanted to say too about your relationship with your father and how that kind of led into the codependent partnership you had with your ex. You know, I think that part of the egoic programming or the matrix, if you will, is basically it makes us believe that we're not okay on our own, that we do need something outside to complete. So we need this person's approval. We need this person's love. We need this person's respect. And I feel like the reason why that doesn't feel right, and like you said, you could feel it, right? There's something inside of you that's saying this is not right, but you're ignoring it. Your mind's ignoring it because the mind or the ego is the part that thinks, no, I still 
need this thing outside. And so I think part of the mm -hmm. veil lifting, and I don't know if this was your experience, is realizing I actually don't need anything except for what's already within me. And um, I think that's, mm. that's the truth. And that's not scary at all. It's beautiful. I mean, I was going to say, though, I think when, when you're in the beginning of the journey, it is really scary because I think when you don't have that trust within yourself, you're like, wait, so I'm only supposed to depend on me? I don't know how to do any of this. And it can be very fear inducing because we haven't built that trust within ourselves. And I think a lot of the messages that we get from our listeners are very much that they're in the beginning of really wanting to have self-worth. Mm -hmm. But I think when you first start to become aware and you do lift that veil and you really look at those ugly parts of yourself, sometimes you just go into a deeper hole of shame. Mm -hmm. I remember on my journey, I was like, well, why would I deserve any love when look at all this stuff that's wrong with me? I'm so messed up. I'm never going to be better. And so I would love for you to touch on what can people do at that beginning stage of that journey when they are starting to recognize these maybe darker parts of themselves mm -hmm. and they want to heal them, but there's so much judgment around them. Yeah. How can people approach that with more self-love and compassion? Yeah. I mean, the first thing that comes in that, you know, lately I've just been maybe more excited about than anything else is just letting ourselves be human. You know, it's such mm. a 101 statement to make yet at the same time, it's also some of, you know, the most profound remembrances that we can tap into. It's like, I think, you know, maybe in this day and age, and especially in our culture, um, like we've kind of touched upon in, in different scenarios in our time together so far, it's like, there's so much conditioning and programming and brainwashing that, you know, about whatever it is, perfectionism or the best way to live or the way that you can be most successful. And when you really start to examine all of those concepts, you just realize what a facade it, it all is. And, you know, you start to like, yeah, release and, and eradicate shame and get out of, um, you know, release more and more resistance that we have with our own humanness. Um, I haven't spoken too much about it. And so trying to explain it is a little wonky, but one thing that I've realized in the last probably five or six months, um, or that at least came more front and center that I, you know, want to share about more is that I feel like maybe the biggest key to unlocking our spiritual enlightenment uh, capabilities and the biggest key to unlocking um, our spiritual miraculousness is actually through the keyhole of celebrating and honoring our humanness. And I think that so many people don't get there because of, of what you are sharing, Gina, because of the, you know, the shameful aspects of like, oh God, I know that I've had this pattern or behavior for 15 years. It's mortifying and I'd rather just keep it tucked back there. But um, yeah, I've just, I've had some of my biggest spiritual awakenings and my spiritual gifts going to the next level 
when I can really um, view some of those behaviors with less cringiness. And, um, mm. you know, I think the key is the last little thing I'll say is it's two part. Like when you know that you're someone who takes self responsibility and you know you're someone who will do integrity checks and put in the work that allows the continuation of like facing facing that human behavior facing that human construct about yourself a lot more easily because you know that you're going to if there's a shift that needs to be made you know you're going to take responsibility and make that shift um, mm. because it would be a whole different ball game if you like let an embarrassing component come to the front and be like, oh yeah, that sucks that I do that, but just like carry on about your life. I mean, obviously the key then is, is devoting to transmuting, transcending, um, taking ownership, speaking, you know, asking for forgiveness or whatever step comes in that you mm-hmm. need to take. Uh, but yeah, there's something like really, really big uh, that al- allows you to connect in spiritually when you unite with your humanness more. Mm, I feel like so many people, when they go on this journey, try to avoid the humanness so much. They try to rush out of it and just try to be in the spirit other side world and want to be in 5D all the time. But like we are human. And it reminds me of when we're kids and all we want is to be an adult. Like my daughter all the time is like, I can't wait till I'm 20. And I'm just like, just enjoy where you're at. And that kind of reminds me of even us. Like, let's just enjoy being a human while also having a spiritual experience instead of resisting our humanness. So I really love that you package that so beautifully. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that in. And, you know, look, there's, you know, there's certainly nothing wrong. Uh, I have my own Ceremony Circle podcast where I talk about many esoteric things and I've been on motherships and, you know, and I have divine illuminated beings that come to me every night as before I go to bed and I speak with them and, and that's all wonderful. And if you're not someone who has put in the things we've been talking about over and over again, the self-responsibility, the embodiment pieces, um, really facing and meeting yourself, those aspects can just become yet another freaking distraction and another Mm -hmm, tactic that you do unconsciously to not do the work that you need to do here. And we, Mm -hmm, you know, we are these spiritual beings. And so when we transition back to those realms, we've got plenty of freaking time to be swirling with the ascended masters and doing all that stuff. And so I think it, you know, I'm glad that somehow this got brought into our flow to just reiterate the importance of, of celebrating the, the grittiness of earth. I, I realized many years ago that I had unconsciously been resisting the energetics of great mother earth. I did not know I was doing it, but thankfully when I was in a metaphysical shop one day with a friend, I went over to the Egyptian section and I was trying to select which Ankh wanted to come home with me. And I would pick one up and tune in and no, that didn't, you know, I picked the next one up and tune in. And on, I think it was a, the third one that I picked up, the energetics of it nearly dropped me to the floor. Like I felt like I had uh, a 20 pound dumbbell, but it was just this light on. And I quickly tossed it back into the bin and I was like, oh, that's definitely not the one. And my friend said, well, wait a second. 
maybe mm. that is the one. And I said, no, no, no. Did you, didn't you see that? It nearly, like I could have collapsed to the wood floor. That's deaf. And he said, again, Allison, take a second here. Maybe that is the exact one you need. And when I finally let myself take a beat and I picked that same onk back up, I was really shown in that moment. It was completely unconscious, but I had been unconsciously resisting that, that gravitational and grit force energetics, that all that nourishment and sustenance and wisdom, the gritty wisdom that great mother earth beholds at all times. And that was one of the biggest game changers for me was finally getting real with myself and seeing that I was resisting the very energetics of the planet that we walk upon. And so, and that's also, you know, a bit of where the energetics of the name rock star shaman come from, because thankfully Mm. through my willingness of walking the path in the way that I have, I do feel I I have an incredibly healthy range and ability to to hold both the, the rock, the great mother earth energy, and also the star energetics of the unseen realms. Mm. Oh my gosh. This is actually such a gift, Allison. So insane what you've just said, because I don't think many people walk earth thinking about whether they are connected to the energetics of earth. But when I think about the energetics of earth, I think of aliveness, right? Anything on earth wants to be alive and be dynamic and be in forward motion. And what I've noticed about the mind is like, it kind of wants to keep things static and it wants things to be the same. Mm -hmm. And that's not moving with the energy of the earth. Like the earth is constantly moving. And so what, this is really interesting, but I just kind of made this discovery with my own mind the other day is that the reason why I'm suffering so much is because I'll be reacting to something that happened or something that I thought or something that I felt, but I'm reacting to it as if it's never going to change. And the reason why Mm -hmm. it feels so bad is because earth is like, we're, we're moving on, babe. Like it's actually already changing. Like you don't even have to know that it's changing. It just is because of the law of impermanence, right? Nothing in nature stays the same. And so if I'm not willing to like move forward with myself into the present moment, allow that thought feeling to shift and evolve, then I suffer. And so I really like that you brought in those earth energetics because I think in order to feel truly in alignment, we we need to, we are earth, we are nature. So we we need to move with yeah. it rather than trying to stay like stuck in the past, which I think a lot of people are still fixated upon without even really realizing it. Mm-hmm. On that note of nature, I really want to jump into power animals. Right. And where that really started with you. I know for us, spirit power animals was kind of something that for me was like astrology where I was like, I kind of believe it, but I kind of don't. But honestly, over the past couple of years, um, animals have been such a an integral part of my journey. And I've received so many messages through, you know, cards like yours. And Sam and I have gone to quite a few sessions where we discover our, our spirit or power animals. So can you start by maybe explaining what they are and essentially how people can use them um, on their journey? Yes, it's a whole world of discovery and exploration, as I'm sure you both know very well by now. Um, Just tuning in here to see what aspects want to to come through today. So 
the power animal allies are our spiritual guides, um, you know, that you could say are in the same family unit as guardian angels or ascended masters or the energetics of the goddesses, you know, all of this spiritual support that we have sitting there waiting for us to connect into at all times. Um, but the power animal allies are very much spiritual guides who love an invitation. Um, you know, like in the story of my divine intervention, I got visions of different Native American elders and directly of great spirit who kind of blew the whistle that day and came in to, to rock my world and, and course correct me. But if, in general, the power animal guides aren't super invasive like that. They're just like waiting and so excited to connect with us, but they love for people to say, you know, okay, I'm feeling some resonance here. Uh, every time I think about the idea of connecting with and communicating with uh, spiritual animal allies, there's something to that. And then saying, you know, it can be as simple as one sentence of, you know, benevolent power animal realm. I can feel your presence and I'm so grateful you're here and I welcome you more fully into my life and I'm ready to heed your messages or something like that. And then mm. uh, there's a ton of different ways in which you can meet the animal, begin to connect with them, ask them questions, develop a different rapport. If you're someone that has a morning meditation practice or you have an altar space that you sit at to just kind of get yourself um, in clarity and connection each morning, when you close your eyes, even in a brief five-minute meditation... You can invite a, a power animal guide who's been wanting to work with you to come into your meditation, depending upon how your spiritual gifts work. Some people see, some people hear the animals, some people can just sense the animals energetic, but, you know, invite them in and you can begin to ask them questions uh, the way that you both experienced with me at the Quantum U event. Shout out to Melissa Ruiz, who we all yes. love, um, <laughs> who hosted that event, Dear Soul Sister. Sister. Uh, but yeah, as you both experienced in that sh drumming shamanic journey that I facilitated, it involved a lot of different things, um, including flying on a hawk. But then, you know, once, yes. once we got to where we were... <laughs> Once we got up there to where we were going, you know, I gave you the opportunity to call in the current power animal who had a message for you or wants to support you with where you're at in, in your life. And that's the, the primary way that I love to recommend the most, especially if this work is newer. And I have a recorded mm. power animal shamanic journey on my website. That's allisoncharles.com backslash animal power um, that you can get for free if you get the book or the deck. Uh, because when you meet the animal during a shamanic journey, it's more empowering for you. Because yes, I can close my eyes and in one second, I can see the animal who's wanting to say something to both of you. But what is that? I mean, yes, the message that I share from the animal would probably support you and enhance your life in some way. But when you're going on a journey and you're the one journeying and seeing the animal and having a conversation with the animal, it's much more empowering for you. And you learn to cultivate and trust your spiritual abilities and gifts. Um, mm. And then with the book, uh, the Animal Power book is 100 Animals to Energize Your Life and Awaken Your Soul. And each animal has a full page of vibrant, embodied, 
colorful artwork. Uh, then the page that corresponds has messages from the animal, has every animal has a power practice, which is a different ritual that you can do to develop a deeper rapport with the animal. I also invited um, mm. 25 different spiritual teacher and shaman friends from around the globe to tell a story, a personal story of an animal that's impacted their life. And so if you're mm. noticing an animal just showing up, whether it's in your dream time or conversations during the week with strangers or friends, and you just continuously hear, um, you know, Sam, as you brought in the mountain lion, like you're just like, oh my God, this is the fifth time this week that I've heard mountain lion. What is going on? That's partially why I worked with the animals to make this book. So you can go to the mountain lion entry and be like, okay, I thank you for your persistence and your love for me and like not going away. I see you, I hear you. And then seeing what does the mountain lion represent? What are its healing attributes? What are its wisdom traits? Uh, so yeah, I mean, those are just a few examples, but there are a lot of them. And once you start to get more familiar with the different traits uh, of each animal, then you can learn how to call an animal into your life and into certain scenarios to help support you. If you're nervous before a business meeting, you know, calling rhinoceros in to just kind of energetically hold mm. space and give you that that uh, energy support that you need. There's there's a lot of different ways you can work with them. Mm. I, I love this so, so much. Excited to dive yeah. deeper into this. It's so incredible because for me, like I'm, I'm a huge animal lover. And so for me, animals automatically sort of, um, activate love. And I think that's really important when you're engaging mm -hmm. in any sort of spiritual practice. Right. So whenever I use the deck and I pull a card, which by the way, I know I must have some spiritual gifts because every single one I pull is the one I need in that moment. I don't know how it works. Always. Something happens. The deck is blessed. But every single time I pull it, I'm like, yep, that's the one. And there's just something really loving and safe about welcoming an animal's energy. Um, and I think that can be helpful for people mm. who don't really connect to the whole spirit guides thing, um, which, I mean, they are spirit guides, mm -hmm. right? But I think when people hear that word, they almost think of just like humans flying around and that can really disconnect them. And so I just wanted to thank you for bringing animals into the realm of being a spirit guide and um, allowing us to call upon their powers. Yeah, definitely. It's it's my honor. You know, they were some of the very first guides who came in to help me. I owe a lot to them. Uh, you know, I could I don't think it would be a far-fetched statement to say that they helped save my life in many respects and mm. you know, the the trust and connection that I have with them and vice versa that they have with me is so profound and so full, you know, I, they, they have guided me to, you know, being on stage in front of 10,000, 15,000 people and doing live, live readings. And it's, you know, I know that they're going to show up and they trust me to be a proper voice for them to communicate mm. the messages that they're trying to convey, um, in, in the best way. And it was really the animals who came to me. I had, you know, my, on my book journey, I could relate to your writer's block, Sam. I really had that for a long time, which really caught me off guard because my whole life I've been a very natural, strong writer. And, um, you know, I had taken so many publisher meetings and, just struggling, struggling for years, three and a half years, I believe, to understand what would my first book be. 
And then I got the the right agents that felt like, okay, now I got the right team. I thought I had the content um, all rare and to go. So relieved after all those years of, of being blocked. And then I flew to Bali to write the book. And the, my first morning meditation, when I closed my eyes, just animals as far as my mind's eye could see. And they were like, that's not the book. It's us. You know, it's us working together wow. to, to co-create the book. And it was, wow. you know, the, the it was just like the biggest duh moment of my life, you know, because I had already been working with them daily for years. And in, in my shamanic path and work, um, guiding these power animal shamanic journeys and these live power animal reading experiences was potentially the shamanic work that I had become most known for. So the fact that it somehow was like, off all of our radars and the animals had to come in and say, hello, like we're supposed to yeah. do this thing together. So I always like to give them credit and thanks, um, you know, when I do these interviews, because it really was a very collaborative uh, effort to birth. It was very initiatory, had tons of Oof, it was it was a fiery, um, but so worth it ride to birth the, the book and the deck. Mm. I love it. I absolutely love it. <laughs> Allison, this has been such a juicy conversation. And I'm so glad that we set the intention at the beginning to just really let our souls flow. And um, before we started recording, you actually mentioned how you've never really been in this exact place before. And I think that that's true for everyone. You know, we are literally never the same every single moment. And so I love that we're getting a version of you that the world has never seen mm -hmm. and uh, messages that you've never really delivered in this way. It's been so beautiful to co-create mm. with you. Um, Gina, I'm wondering if you want to ask her our final question. Yes. So we always ask our guests, um, what is... I guess, a lesson or something that just kind of has continued to come up for you um, because we all, I feel, have a certain theme that we kind of spiral through in our lives. And so we always like to ask our guests, what is a common theme lesson that has been spiraling through your life? Hmm. I'm going to really, really dip in here. Stand by. What is a common hmm. theme lesson that's really been prevalent in my life? Is that the question? Yes, yes. Okay, I'm going to tune in here one second. Hmm. Well, I'll just go with it. I don't know where it's going to take me, but it took me directly to my heart. Mm. And so I think the very short answer would be to live in devotion to keeping your heart open and keeping your heart clear and returning to your heart over and over again. You know, I can give so many stories and examples, both grand and small, of doing that, especially, you know, mm. I think it's it's natural once you get out of um, a, a, a painful relationship to want to shut your heart down, right? You know, it's like mm. scary to think about the, the fact that you might feel those feelings again with somebody else or 
um, just never sort of figure out the whole, the whole love game kind of thing. But it was actually the deer power animal who came in. I had four power animal guides, um, after that awakening, the deer, the bear frog, and my core power animal, the black jaguar, who all came in with different teachings for me. And the deer specifically held that heart medicine, that heart space. And she later played a, an incredibly significant role and my uh, now husband, Luke Story, and I becoming a couple after being friends for a few years, it was in a sacred peyote ceremony. And Kayumari, the sacred blue deer, is the totem for that particular grandfather medicine. And so deer, I owe a lot to. So the path of the heart, you know, I think at the end of the day, the teaching or advice that I could share is that you can never go wrong when you allow yourself to be connected to the path of the heart. So at any time that you feel lost, at any time that you feel confused, any time that you feel dismay or rage, just continuously, no matter what the wave of earth experience, bring yourself back to your heart, bring yourself back to your heart. Oh, beautiful. That is so powerful. It knows every time, so doesn't powerful. it? Well, thank you so much. It, it does. It does. And I think it's just important for people to hear that because I think on this journey, when you heal through a pattern or break a cycle, sometimes we think we're done. <laughs> and then when it comes back up, it feels like we're failing somehow. But I think just that, I always think of it as just a signal. It's just like a notification. Come back, come back, come back, come back to the heart. And so such a beautiful reminder. Thank you so much. And do you want to maybe share with people how they can find you and what your current offerings are? I actually looked up one of your courses. I think it's the third eye, the third eye course, but it's all full, <laughs> but I signed up <laughs> to be notified when it comes back. Okay, great. I will look for your, your email on that. Um, yeah. Thank you both for having me. It's been a beautiful time connecting. Um, if anyone wants to explore further, I'm on Instagram at I am Allison Charles. And my website is allisoncharles.com, spelled a little uniquely, A-L-Y-S-O-N, allisoncharles.com. And, you know, probably um, just because of all the life changes and shifting values and priorities, uh, the area where you can get to know me the best right now is through my Ceremony Circle podcast. Um, and, you know, I've, I've really been in this beautiful voided state for many, many months now. And I do my regular check-ins to see, you know, is there a divine instruction or guidance piece of a next offering or a next event or a next thing. Um, and for many months, it's, uh, it's, that is not what's conjuring like a next book, you know, and, and that's, mm. uh, that's not what is coming up for, for me right now. So I would say head to the podcast and, you know, on my website, just stay tuned. Um, I do post when other things are, are happening or doors open to that third eye certified course and things like that. But thank you both. And such a, such an honor to share space and thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Such a blessing. Thank you, Allison. Thank you so much for listening to this honest conversation. We hope it brought you peace, clarity, and a little bit further along your spiritual journey. If you loved this episode, it would mean the world to us if you left us a five-star rating and review so we can bring you more conscious conversations, spiritual topics, and guests. Here's to spiraling higher.